What a privilege and a joy to be with you this morning. What a privilege to see all your beautiful faces. I see some faces I haven't seen in a long time, and we are blessed to have you this morning. We're blessed to have you online as well. We had two services this morning. We had an earlier service in which we got to see some of our beautiful people who haven't been with us in a long, long time. It's a great to, to be with you today. It's a privilege to be here. A lot of people have put a lot of hard work and effort to get to this spot. Let's, let's give the Lord one more praise and glory for being here this morning. And it is Children's Church. My wife is reminding me of that. And so if you are kindergarten, pre-K through third grade, and you would like to go to Children's Church you may go with her as they're going to be in the children's area today. And all of our little ones running through the halls is a great day. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It is fantastic. It is finally here. It's been about six months, and yet our God has been faithful. Our people have been faithful. You have been faithful. We are so thankful for your giving. We are so thankful for your participation with us online and in person. We are so thankful for this church and what we have been able to see God do in the midst of a pandemic, all of the things in which God has put these puzzle pieces together to do these things. You saw in the video, early, a campaign that we're doing is called 90 for 90, and we are raising money for each of these chairs. We hope to raise one $90 payment for each chair, and you can, you can uh, get more information about that in our Welcome Center. You can also uh, call our offices and get more information about that, but that is a campaign that our people have put together to try to um, raise this support to pay off all of the things that God, the Lord is doing amongst his people. This was a dream of a lot of people in this church before I even came here, and the Lord has allowed us to realize that dream in the middle of a pandemic, amen? Lots of people giving their time, their energy to see God's building here reflect the glory of God, God's building reflecting his people which are a people of worship. And so when you enter into this place, I want you to be reminded that this is a place in which we gather together for worship of the one true king because he is worthy of our worship. We worship by hearing the word, by singing praises to our God, and it is meaningful to us. Lives are changed, and we are a light to this community at Northwest Baptist, and this is a representation of that. If you haven't been with us, we have been doing a series through the book of Acts called The Power of God. And after the resurrection, Jesus tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts is about the people of God, the church, being filled with the Spirit of God to accomplish the will or the mission of God himself. And as we've looked through the first five chapters, we've seen this beautiful picture of the gospel on display as the church, the people of God, advance 
the gospel, through gospel proclamation. They live their lives in Christ-centered community. They're devoted to the teaching of the word of God. They care for people in extravagant or unordinary ways. And they give of themselves sacrificially for others. But we've seen also some of these difficulties in the beginnings of the church in Acts. If you remember, we saw Ananias and Sapphira back in chapter 5 trying to look better than they actually were, trying to gain recognition from their own giving or their own good works persecution happening from the outside of religious leaders and we this morning we see another problem popping up within the body of Christ it is a complaint right you might be surprised that even in acts in the early church the church was not perfect it's not perfect today but we see here in this text that leaders solve problems Why? Because it's all about the glory of God. And we see God receiving glory as a result of the church working together for his glory and his purposes. We'll see here in a minute that the Greek widows had a legitimate issue. And the leaders of the church came together, allowed for servants of the church to raise up and meet the needs of the body of Christ so that prayer and ministry of the word can remain the primary focus of the church. And this is spirit-filled servants. So if you'll open with me to the word of God in Acts chapter 6, if you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word as we open the word together In Acts chapter 6, we'll read this together. We have a pretty full house this morning, so if you need to um, come get some seats, there's some on the front row right here, so uh, if if you need some seating. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, Parmenius, and Nicolaus, as proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You may be seated this morning. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we are so excited to gather as your people here in your building in which we worship you. And as we hear the word of God, may may you inspire us, encourage us 
to live our lives worthy of the calling in which you have given to us. Father, raise up men and women who will be given dreams and visions of ministries that need to happen within the body of Christ and that you would empower them by your spirit to accomplish everything that you want to do here at this church, Northwest Baptist. Lord, we thank you for the many men and women who have put tons of time and effort and giving, Father, to get us to this place today. And Father, may this worship and this time together in your words spring forth just a deep desire in our hearts and minds to live our lives for you, for your purposes for your glory. Lord, may, may we be a church that reflects your glory. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your great name, for you are worthy of praise. We thank you for your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's just, it's just a, little, a little weird to stand up here and preach. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Even I, though I preached in the previous service, it's just a little funny. I, I, I'm, I'm in shock and awe, but uh, I can't see your faces, so if you're frowning at me, I don't know, so that's okay. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to read this passage because there are many times as a pastor that I have done things that I never thought I would do just as an individual or as a person. I can remember being a young pastor right out of seminary thinking, you know what, I'm going to study and I'm going to preach and I'm going to minister to people and that's really what I'm going to do. And, and early in, in ministry, I, I realized there was a lot of other things that pastors do, some good, some bad, but I had a, I had a a call late one night early in, in, my, in the first years of our ministry, one Saturday night, it seems like everything always happens on Saturday night, right? You're like, hey, I need to get ready for Sunday, but it always happens on Saturday night. I get a late call, and sweet old lady who, who was cleaning the church at the time, she was on the other end of the line, and she said, hey, pastor, hate to tell you this, but the church is flooded, the sub pump in the basement of the church where the children's ministry was had flooded. It had stopped working in the midst of a storm and the entire church basement has flooded. And I'm calling people on the phone saying, hey, can you come help? And some can and some can't. And we're up there late trying to shop vac water off the floor so that our children can have a place to meet in the morning. I remember a few weeks later, we're trying to get all these kids on a, on, a, on a youth trip to Falls Creek. And if you know uh, about that, it's, it's kind of chaotic at some times. And we're, we're getting ready to haul all these bags and put them in this big white trailer. And, and, uh, and somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, the trailer's locked and we don't have the key. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, and you're telling me this, why? And what can I do? What do you want me to do about that? And I'm looking around going, what do I do? And a deacon comes up at that time and says, hey, I've, I've got a, a bolt cutter in my car. I'll, I'll come and, and cut the lock. 
And I'm thinking to myself, why does our deacon have a bolt cutter in his car? And uh, I'll never forget this. After that moment, the deacon kind of came up to me, kind of put his, his arm around me. It was really early in ministry. And he said, I bet they didn't have a class on this in seminary, did they? And we laughed. We had a good laugh. And no, they didn't. But I'm glad they had a class on how to navigate the church through pandemics. So that's, that's, that's great. You know, it's easy to do all of these things as a pastor. But the things that happen in the church are often comical. And you have to laugh at yourself. You really do. At the breadth of things that keep us humble as the body of Christ. But this is why the church is so beautiful. It's not just meant to be done by the pastors. The church is the body of Christ. And when everyone is connected to Christ and one another, it becomes such a powerful force that the spirit of the living God uses for advancement of his gospel. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. He says, for just as the body is one, and many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized in one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It means we are all one in Christ. We are all have the spirit of the living God. And then he, he goes on to say that each person within the body is just as important as the other. He says in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Each person in the church doesn't have the same role, but they're all beautiful in fulfilling the mission of God together. In the early church, we see this happening. Spirit-filled servants raised up within the body to fill the needs of the body of Christ. The church doesn't lose focus on what it's called to do, which is to make disciples. In the, in the early church, we see the enemy attacking the church in three ways. The first way is persecution from the outside. In chapter 5, we saw the apostles be imprisoned because of their proclamation of the gospel from the Jewish leaders. The second way is we see hypocrisy from the inside. We see people trying to further their own projection, further their own career, further their own themselves within the body of Christ, lying about their giving in Ananias and Sapphira. And now we see dissension within the body, complaints within 
the body. Yet God's people through the power of the Spirit overcome those things. And as a result, we see the church continue to multiply and even adversaries of the gospel, the priest, come to faith in Christ. I believe that God himself gives people what they need to accomplish the mission through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That God gives his church what it needs. Amen? This is spirit-filled servants. Let's look at verse one. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, those are Greek widows, arose, Greek-speaking widows, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. In verse four, if you, if you wanna include that. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is our point. Number one this morning, the primary responsibility of God's shepherds is prayer and ministry of the word. The primary responsibility of God's shepherds, leaders in the church, is prayer and ministry of the word. Notice, the first sentence tells us what's happening within the body. It tells us the disciples are increasing. The church is growing. There are now thousands of people within the flock of God as the movement is being propelled by the gospel and it continues to grow and build. But guess what? The focus upon the gospel comes to a halt. There is a danger within the flock because the focus shifts from the gospel of Christ and the preaching of his word to something else. There's a complaint. A complaint within the church, you say? I mean, that, that never happens. I know, I know it's hard to believe, but that this would happen in the church in Acts or it would happen today or at Northwest Baptist Heaven forbid, it, it doesn't happen very much here, but praise the Lord for that. But it happens time to time, and Paul reminds even the Philippian church about this. In Philippians 2.14, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. You can you, translate those words in the New Living. It says, arguing or complaining. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The church is to shine as lights in the world. Therefore, complaining, we ought not to complain or argue. Why? Because we are lights in the world, we are different. We're different than the politics of today. <laughs> but the complaint is legitimate here. The Hellenists felt like their widows were being neglected. 
The Greek-speaking widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. What's the daily distribution? Most likely food. It could be money as well, but most likely it's food. These Greek speakers, these Hellenists, were coming from other places. They were not living in Jerusalem. They were coming from the diaspora. They were coming from other places in which they had been scattered abroad. They're coming back for Pentecost. They hear the gospel message, and guess what? They're transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're like, we don't want to return to our homeland. We don't want to return to our places where our family was and where we were. We want to stay here and hear the word of God preached from the apostles who were with Christ. We want to understand this Jesus and we want to follow him. We want to be a part of this church. I've always dreamed of a time in which people would move to be a part of this church. People move to be a part of what God is doing. They literally take their life wherever they are, Portland, Oregon, wherever they are, and move to Oklahoma City and say, I want to be a part of what God is doing at Northwest Baptist. Maybe that'll happen one day. I pray, I pray it does. But these widows are without their family. They're now in the care of the church because they've given up their life where they lived and now they're a part of the body. And this is what God's people do in the Old and the New Testament. They care for widows and orphans. James chapter five, 1 Timothy chapter five gives us clear insight into the care of widows and orphans, especially those who do not have family to care for them. God's church cares for people. But even in the care for people, it cannot lose the focus of what it is called to do. So the 12 who are leading the church, who are the primary teachers of the word at this point, gather together and say, we have a problem. We cannot do it all. We cannot serve tables and preach the word of God. The tables were either distribution, tables of food, or tables of money, changing tables, organizing, whatever it may be. They cannot continue to neglect their role within the body of Christ, the preaching of the word. Later in the, in the church, later on in the church's life, we will see the spirit establish leaders in the church with structure, organization, to establish order and not chaos. The word calls these leaders shepherds, overseers, or elders, all interchangeable words within the Greek who will be primarily tasked with the teaching of the word in the body of Christ. These overseers, elders, or shepherds will give their life to the teaching of the word of God so that they will handle the word of God correctly in preaching it to the body of people when they gather together. 
You see, the preaching, this preaching of the word of God is important. It takes incredible sacrifice and discipline to preach it accurately. I always laugh when a young pastor or someone learning how to preach comes up to me. I'm speaking into his life or helping him learn how to preach and says, I didn't realize how much time goes into one sermon. I kind of laugh at that because I think to myself, I once thought that myself. But reading, praying, exegesis, breaking down the grammar, understanding the context, the content of the scripture, checking those thoughts against all of scripture, and forming the application after thoroughly examining the text and understanding the people that you're talking to I tell my wife sometimes every week, Sunday is coming. (laughs) Sunday is coming. And I feel the very weight and responsibility to stand up here and exposit the word of God accurately to God's people here. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says this to a young pastor, a young preacher. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. It is a weighty responsibility to rightly handle the word of truth. James chapter three, verse one says this, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. First Timothy five seventeen. he's talking about those teachers within the body. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. A good shepherd feeds the sheep with the truth of the word of God. That's why every single week you will see expository preaching from the pulpit at Northwest Baptist. That means that preaching is actually from the word of God, not what I think or not what I want to say, but what God says according to his word. The points you see on the screen every week are from the very word of God, and we expose those with other points of scripture. Very rarely you'll hear topical preaching, which someone takes a topic talks about the topic, often bad topical preaching will just slide in a few scriptures to prove that person's point. You see, I believe that the word of God speaks to every issue, and eventually as we teach, we will run into all the issues as we teach the very counsel, all of the counsel of God, the whole counsel of God according to his word. That's why you can't miss a week, okay? But if you do, our new website has every sermon preached by chapter and verse and topic, so you can't miss it. Did you know some pastors today in churches all around the United States and all around the world actually do not preach the word of God? They preach some kind of philosophical guise and call it preaching. 
They somehow neglect the word of God and his importance to us. Because you know what? The power is not in the preacher. The power is in the very word of God. Jim Shaddix gives an illustration. I've shared this with you before. But of how some pastors use the word of God in their preaching. He says some pastors use the word of God as a diving board in which they start out with and jump off, never to return, swimming in their own thoughts. Some pastors treat the word of God as patio furniture, sometimes giving it a nod, but never really focusing on it much. But we treat the word of God as the pool in which during the sermon we jump in and swim in it and all over it until it saturates our whole being. That's who we are. Every week, my desire is to take us for a swim in the word of God. Verse four, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Oftentimes, we neglect that devotion, leaders in the church as pastors. Oftentimes, that would be the one that is neglected first to prayer. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, had had this to say about prayerlessness in ministry. Of course, the preacher is above all others distinguished as a man of prayer. The minister who does not earnestly pray over his work must be vain and a conceited man. He acts as if he thought himself sufficient of himself and therefore needed not to appeal to God. He limps in his life like a man in Proverbs whose legs are not equal, for his praying is shorter than his preaching. Prayer is a very necessary and important task of the person who preaches the word of God, who delivers the word of God to the gathering of the saints to his church. It's often neglected in this aspect of preaching the word of God, this time in prayer and preparation, this time in prayer and study, this time in prayer for the application, this time in prayer for asking the Lord, what does the church need to hear and understand from your scripture? The time in prayer for the delivery of the sermon, the time in prayer for the response to the preaching of God's word. See, prayer itself is a response to a reliance upon God. You're crying out and you're saying, I need the Lord to be in this. If we think that we can get up here or I can get up here and share the word of God with you without the spirit of the living God empowering me, then I am fully mistaken. But the preaching of the word is not only the pastor's responsibility, it is the responsibility of the entire church. It is the responsibility of the hearers to prepare their heart as well. 
to prepare their hearts by reading the passage, to prepare their heart by praying and asking the Lord to speak to them this morning, to, by, to apply the word of God into their life. We have something called preparing for and responding to worship, this guide we send out in an email. If you don't get my emails, you need to, so you need to call the church or talk to me and we'll get you on our email list, but we send this guide out every week and it's got prayer for the service, it's got prayer for God's people, and it tells you which chapter to read and this week would be Acts chapter 6. It gives you the application questions. You can even listen to the songs that we're going to sing. You can type in those songs and you can hear them on YouTube. You can prepare your heart for worship. If you don't know the song, listen to it a few times. Then guess what? You'll know it. Then you can sing it. This is a preparation and responding to the worship. You have these application questions which really dig deep into our souls and should cause us to ask more questions about our life and should cause us to talk to our people in our community groups about how we can do the word of God, respond to the gospel, and open our hearts to him. But this, this is a joint effort. This is the pastor and his preaching and the people and their hearing and their response, and that makes a church that is focused upon the word of God and advancing the gospel out into the world because guess what? We gather together to be sent into the world during the week. We gather together to be encouraged and uplifted and then we're sent into the world and guess what? We'll be gospel proclaimers. Every time you go to a Thunder game, they hand you one of those programs, right? This is a program. You're getting ready for the game. You know the lineup. You know what's going on. You know who's in, who's in the lineup. You know the numbers. You know who to watch for. You know the team you're playing. You know their statistics. You know everything about them. If you look, open up that, that program. Preparing and responding in worship, you know what's going to happen, and you're ready for Sunday morning. Verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. This is our second point this morning. The church assigns spirit-filled servants to fill needs within the body of Christ. The church assigns spirit-filled servants to fill needs within the body of Christ. These apostles, guess what? They're problem solvers. All good pastors are problem solvers. They see a problem, lead people back to focusing upon the gospel of Christ. They handle issues so that they do not lose the focus upon what is the purpose and the mission of God's church. Notice the word here in verse two. I'm gonna read it to you again. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Now, notice that word serve in verse two. In verse four, that word is also used, except in the noun form, but we will devote ourselves to prayer into the ministry of the word. 
ministry and serve. It's from the same root word in the Greek, diakonia, or diakonos, from which we get the office of deacon or servant, as later God will establish this role within the body of Christ. And these men here are assigned a specific task as servants. I want you to notice some things here as you look at this passage. I want you to notice one thing here is the church chooses. We have, um, I'll, I'll talk about this later, but we have uh, deacon nomination forms in the Welcome Center this morning. We also have them available online. You will be able to fill out nominating. I nominate this person because I feel he would fulfill the role of a deacon, a servant. On those nomination forms come the qualifications and a little bit about those things, but it's a good thing for us to nominate from the body of Christ. Notice these deacons have qualifications. Good repute, full of the spirit, and of wisdom. Notice they present their deacons who they feel the church presents to the leaders of the church and they lay hands on them in a sign of unity for sending them out for the work in which they are called. Sometimes we, we lay hands on people to send them out as missionaries, but we do this for ministries, for different areas of the church. We do this when deacons are, are coming into the body, nominating deacons and sending them out to do the work. The qualifications, good repute or good reputation, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God, and full of wisdom. These are high qualifications. These are high or strict requirements. In the Bible, we have two offices, elder and deacon. Both have strict requirements. Often, these requirements are scrutinized as you are placed in a position where people are looking at your life and your life is on display so that what you do in the case of an elder or pastor their teaching ought to be backed up by the way that they live their life in the case of a deacon their service ought to be backed up by the character of their life how they treat their family and it is a high honor to be in one of these positions. Then we have this roll call healer where they name these men, and it's important for us to understand what they're doing. In verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. Now we have to notice something here. All of these men, they, they choose seven to accomplish this task, but all of these men are Greek. They're Greek names. It means that now these men are in charge of the ministry that they have been working in. They come with a complaint. Oftentimes I'll do this as a pastor. If Our staff knows this very well. If you come to me with a complaint, I'm like, you're the solution. Right? That's what they do here, right? They have a complaint, 
And then they say, and I say, you're the solution for that. Let's do this. Let's organize like this and let's move forward. So that's what they do here. And this is important. They have a heart for the Hellenist widows. Why? Because they themselves are Hellenists. Those who are recognized in the ministry as leading the ministry should also be the ones who are doing the ministry. It's always been my philosophy that God in his spirit will raise up people who will have a heart for different ministries of the church, will have a heart for different functions within the body. And when that ministry begins to go, we as pastors come alongside of them and help organize them in accomplishing the mission, make sure they stay on task. But we allow them to do the work that God has called them to. It always seems better to allow people that have a heart for that type of ministry to do that type of ministry instead of saying, we need this ministry and you're gonna do that. Oftentimes that will never work. One more thing as we see this, the big picture. The church itself is always adjusting. They are always reassessing. They are always saying, what are the needs? How can they realign themselves back to the Lord and what he's called his church to do? We always have to be readjusting as a church. We always have to be meeting needs within the body. We always have to be moving and shaking and doing different things because the church is always changing. One more thing to note, I've got a lot of things to note in this passage, but one more thing to note is these men who will be appointed to serve tables, they're set aside for this special task, will also be gospel proclaimers. Let me repeat that. These men, Stephen, Philip, all of these men will not only do this task within the body, but they will be gospel proclaimers. Just because their role in the body was not a vocational pastor or preacher doesn't mean that they're not gospel proclaimers. Stephen, will see in Acts chapter 7, he will testify to the name of Christ before the elders and scribes. Philip will be an evangelist and take the gospel to Samaria in chapter 8. These men will be more than just servants of tables. They will be men of God serving the church, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the gospel, and fulfilling the mission of God. All of our people are gospel proclaimers. All have different roles within the body of Christ, but all of our people are called to share this good news message with others. Verse seven, this is the last thing I've got this morning, and it is probably my favorite verse out of all of these verses. I love it. Let me read it for you so you can understand why I love it so much. Here's what it says. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith the word of God continued to increase there was a danger that the word of God was going to stop in the church 
There was a danger that the disciples were not going to multiply. And yet, God allowed to bring up people within the body to meet the needs of the body so that the purpose of the church could continue. That the advancement of the gospel could go forward. Verse, uh, this is our point three this morning. A church operating at a high level allows for multiplication. A church operating at a high level allows for multiplication. This is a great reminder to us when we look at this passage that there will be times in which there are trials within the body. There will be times of dissension in the body. But we must always remember that it is about the glory of God and the proclamation of this gospel that is primary for God's church. When we are focused upon the word of God, loving one another and being sent out on mission, we will see the Lord bless this church beyond measure. God has been faithful here for 90 years. He's brought about a special time and a season for us right now, which we're able to finish the building. We're able to focus ourselves back upon the word of God and what he wants to accomplish according to his word, casting vision to being a great commission church all while showing abundance of grace for one another as we navigate the waters of a pandemic. Amen? But it is a great day to be at Northwest. It is a great day to see the word of God transforming the lives of people. And when I look at this passage and I see that the word of God continue to increase the number of disciples multiplying. It's because they focused upon the main thing. They didn't get distracted by all of the things that do need to be taken care of. They focused upon the word of God and the proclamation of that word. And when we see this, we see a great many of priests becoming obedient to the faith. These, these priests are the ones that just put them in prison the chapter before. They're coming to faith, but they're not only coming to faith, they're being obedient to faith. And they're having to give up their life as a priest to come into the church not only adversaries of the gospel, but having to give up their life. It always shocks me when we go into a foreign nation where we proclaim this gospel and people knowingly know, knowingly will have to reject their family in order for the name of Jesus, put their life on the line for the name of Jesus, Say, Jesus is enough. I believe in Christ. I'm willing to leave my life because of this gospel. Because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. 
And that's what I want to leave you with this morning, church, is the encouraging word. People do come to faith in Christ. Lives will be transformed. Lives, countless lives have been transformed here at Northwest. But we will see a many, many number of people coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because of this great gospel. That Jesus came from heaven, his place, down to earth, our place. And not just to be a servant among men, but to die on a cross. To give us life. To take the punishment of our sin upon himself. So that we could have eternal life and be with God forever. We were deserving of the wrath of God. We were deserving of the judgment of God. And yet God provided a way of escape. A way to be declared righteous. But it's only through the blood of the Lamb. It is only through belief in Christ that one can be saved. And the church is here to proclaim that word. May we be a beacon of light to people living in darkness without hope. May we show them the gospel. May we proclaim the gospel to them as a church. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pray. If you're here this morning and you need to talk to somebody, we have pastors with their masks on in the back. They're ready to talk to you, to counsel with you, to pray for you. If you want to know what it looks looks like to be a part of this congregation, to be a part of this church, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you want to give your life to Christ, we'd love to talk to you about that. What it means to be a follower of Jesus, we can do that. Nobody's going to know. You just slip in the back while everyone else is singing. Love to pray for you. Love to pray for your family. But I believe the Lord is doing something great. And he's filling his servants here at Northwest with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your servants. We pray for your people that we would all, Father, ask you in prayer where you're leading. Help us to follow you where you're going, what you're doing. Lord, give us the strength that we need to overcome situations within the flock, outside of the flock, for your glory. Father, bring us back to your word. Bring us back to the truth. Help us to focus upon the things that, are, that matter. Help us to focus upon the gospel of Christ. Help us to be prepared for worship. Help us to be prepared for your proclamation with our family and friends. Give us a spirit that empowers your people to do what you've called. 
Lord, we worship you this morning in this beautiful place. And we thank you and praise you that you are God in heaven. We know that everything that you have given to us is by your grace.